The following sermon is by Dr. Josh Scally, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Josh. So tonight on Christmas Eve, just one verse. It's on the screen there for you. It's 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. And this verse tells us the wonder of Christmas, I think from three standpoints. So 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. This evening as we look at that, we'll be answering what the purpose of the text is for. Do we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? And three things in it to help us know what God wants us to know. First, God wants us to know that Jesus was rich. Imagine how rich the eternal God the Son was before he became flesh and was born in the vulnerability of Jesus. One who pre-existed creation, and yet one through whom all things were made. He could make as many universes as he wanted. He is dependent on nothing. As the eternal Son of God, his reservoir of riches are infinite. Think of the things that we think of when we think of riches. How about status? He's the creator of all creation. How about seniority? Eternally God. Security? All-powerful. Knowledge, all-knowing. Power, sovereign. Freedom, absolute. Acceptance in the inner ring, he's one of the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. Needs, he has none. Do you know the grace of our Lord Jesus? Do you know just a glimpse of how rich he eternally was? The second thing it tells us is, did you know that on Christmas he became poor? He became poor in ways that are beyond description. He became poor first at the incarnation when truly God also became truly man on Christmas Day. When Christ was born as the God-man, he experienced a poverty that is beyond imagination. The text, the grammar in the original indicates that this poverty was voluntary. He chose to put upon himself this poverty, but it also indicates that it's a state that he entered into, the state of human existence. He became inexpressibly poor by becoming human. But his poverty went much further because his poverty is not merely that God became man as Unfathomable as that is, his poverty is further yet and that he lived in this world, but then he died a horrific death on the cross. You see, you really have to have been up to know what it is to go down. If you have a great grasp of what things were, you can have a great grasp of how much you've given up. I grew up in the north and most of my winters were much, much colder than this one. So since moving down here, just for a few years now, I have a closet full of coats that I have no use for. 
I don't know what I'm going to do with these. People tell me that apparently it's someday it may snow here. Let, let me tell you all, if the snow doesn't last more than a week, it's not snow. All right. Um, I, I know what I had and I know what I have now. And that is why if I go back to see family members over winter, I'm so spoiled now, <laughs> I can't handle it because I know how good I have it now. Imagine what it's like for an emperor to beg for his bread. He knows what he had. He knows what he has given up. Jesus has given up more than you could ever imagine. He who had all riches has become poor. Charles Spurgeon wrote this. He had been emphatically rich. You can't fit into the word rich all that he had been. And so when he became poor, you can't fit into the word poor all that he became. The difference between Christ in the glory of his Godhead and Christ in his humiliation is an immeasurable gap. You cannot describe his riches and you cannot describe his poverty. You have never had any idea of how high he was as God. And you can never imagine how low he stooped when he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He who was eternally up went incomparably down. When he took on flesh, when he was born in a feeding trough, when his family was too poor, to purchase the lamb for his purification. When he said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. At the end of his life, he rode into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey, spent his last meal in a borrowed room, and was buried in a borrowed tomb. The final possession he owned was his robe, and at his crucifixion it was stripped off of him and it was gambled away by the soldiers. Glimpse his poverty. The stories that we've told in the arts, like The Prince and the Pauper, and many movies and stories in that same vein, don't even touch the outer hem of what God has done when he became poor. What does it mean to become poor? You have no security, you have no status, you have no rank. You have no power. When God, who created the world, is being stripped of his clothing and nailed to a cross and mocked by his creatures, he is experiencing a complete loss of decency and dignity. That's poverty. Why would he do that? Why would he willingly leave up all those riches to become poor? Do you see it in the text? Do you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor? Do you know that Jesus became poor because he loves us? Those three words, for your sake, have so much meaning pregnant in them. Let me pull out just a little bit quickly this evening. The first thing for your sake means is that it wasn't something he needed, it's something we needed. He did not become poor because he needed to atone for something he had done or he needed to accomplish something that he needed to finish. No, no. He, he became poor because we needed help. 
We caused a problem, and he provided the solution. Spurgeon is quotable again. There was need, as far as Christ was concerned, that there was no need that he should ever be poor. The only need was because we were in need. And he loved us so much that he would rescue us from our poverty to give us his eternal wealth. See, probably you have a friend that you would just do anything for them. They could ask you anything and you would do it. And that's probably because over your experiences with that person, they've done a lot of good things for you. They've helped you. They've loved you. They've taken care of you. They were one of those three people when you moved into your house that unpacked all the boxes. They could ask anything from you and you'd probably do it. That is not the relationship the creatures had with the creator. He's not coming because we've done so much good. He's coming and asking for forgiveness for even those who are crucifying him. His love is immeasurable. It is categorically other than the way we love each other. Jonathan Edwards wrote a book on charity and its fruit, and it was given to me by a church member not that long ago. And in it, I was so struck by this passage where he explains how Christ loves with a freeness that he knows we could never pay back. His love is a free gift. Here's what the American theologian Jonathan Edwards wrote in the 1700s. Christ thus loved us without any expectation of ever being required back by us for his love. He did not stand in need of anything we could do for him. He knew we'd never be able to requite him for his kindness or even do anything towards it. We who might receive so much from him could render nothing to him in return. He knew we had no money or price with which to purchase anything. He must freely give us all things that we needed or else we should be eternally without them. Do you know the grace of our Lord Jesus? He was rich and for our sake, he became poor. Now the last part of the verse, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. And here's the best part, friends, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. See, that means that whatever Jesus did, it's more than just an example worth following. It's an accomplishment that did something that we can receive that we can't lose. He achieved something when he gave up his riches and became poor so that he could give us the riches that are his. What did he do that took our poverty and offers to us his infinite riches? And the answer is he lived perfectly. He died a death that atoned for all our sin on the cross and he overcame sin and death when he rose victoriously from the grave. Jesus did it all when he became that poor so that we could become that rich. If we think of the riches that we might enjoy here, we are thinking far too small. He is accomplishing riches that can't be measured here and riches that can't be bought here. Riches that last far beyond here. If his poverty was as bad as I tried to describe it, Imagine how great our riches are that we receive from him. I mean, if our riches are proportionate to his poverty, what rich people we are. 
He was as poor as poor can be, and we, if we're believing in him, are as rich as rich can be. As low as he went is as high as we rise, because through his poverty we become rich. I like how one author put it. Christ went from riches to rags so that we could go from rags to riches. See, Jesus Christ has done something at Christmas. He has secured the riches of salvation, riches you can't purchase, riches you can't buy, riches that you need, but that he alone can provide. So quick, simple responses. First, I want to press the question that this verse assumes. Do you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? I love Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, especially the Muppet version. (laughs) It's a great story. At the end, Ebenezer Scrooge has gone from selfish to unselfish, from miserly to magnanimous. But, But come on, think with me for a minute. If that story was true life, and he turned over a new leaf, and he had a personal resolution to be a better man, then the extent of the kind of good man he would be for the rest of his life would only be in comparison to the bad kind of man he was before, which means his magnanimity would have limits. Friend, what limit can there be if you know how rich Jesus was and how poor Jesus became so that you through his poverty might become rich. That's transformation without limits. What could you not give? What could you not release? What could you not freely share when everything you have is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? See, actually in the context of 2 Corinthians 8, Paul is writing to believers who are very poor financially, and yet they are helping even poorer people in Jerusalem. And Paul says in verse 8, I don't need to command you to do this because you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's a good question to ask and let the Holy Spirit work in it. Am I the sort of person that is able to freely release things? Am I the sort of person that counts and tracks how much you gave and how much I gave and if we're square Or is there a freedom to let go because I know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? The word know in the Bible is much deeper than the way we tend to use it casually. It's used often of the marital union's deepest intimacy. It means you really know this thing. And this is how he's talking about how we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know it in that level of intimacy. It's transformative. So do you know it? Well, you can know it. Amazingly, not by purchasing it, not by being good enough, not by resolving to be a better person, but by admitting the hardest thing, admitting that you need it. Coming poor in spirit, empty-handed. God, it's hard for me to admit this, but tonight I admit I need Jesus. I need his grace. I need his salvation. I'm not wealthy enough to procure it on my own. In fact, my poverty is the reason he had to come. I admit it, Lord. 
I am a sinner who has fallen short of the glory of God, but God, Christ offers his riches to me and I receive them in faith. Humbly receive them tonight. I know it's hard to admit you're poor, but how wonderful it is to know you're eternally rich when you have Jesus through faith. And finally, I'd encourage you to recognize this. The very incarnation of Christ reminds us of the paradox of poverty and riches. We're not normally very good at assessing wealth in our time. We sometimes wrongly attribute things that we can see as true wealth. But imagine if you did that with the life of Jesus. Here was someone who at the appearance level just seemed like a child of Mary and Joseph, but in reality was the eternal God the Son. Here's someone who appeared like someone who, whose parents were so poor they couldn't even afford a Passover lamb, but in reality he was the Lamb of God. Here's someone who at an appearance level must have had a bad situation because he's born in a manger. They can't even get room in the inn. But at a deeper level, he's being announced by angels. Here's someone at the appearance level, as a toddler, he has to flee from Herod because they don't have the resources to resist. But at a deeper level, there's a divine star leading wise men to give him gifts. Here's someone who at the appearance level is dying on a cross and appears to be a failure. But at the real level is dying to destroy sin and death and the devil. Here's someone who at the appearance level, he's buried in a borrowed tomb and his disciples leave despondent. But at a deeper level, he didn't need to borrow that tomb very long because three days later he emerges glorified. You see, Jesus Christ shows us so often what we evaluate, we evaluate wrongly. Don't confuse poverty with riches. Know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Let me pray for us now. God, Christmas is so wonderful. So don't let us miss that it's pointing us to something beyond this world. It can't be captured here. And if we find in our heart a longing for a better world, it should confirm to us that there is one. And the person who was from it, left it to come into this one so that he could bring us to his, the new heaven and the new earth where our riches will never be lost. We put so much investment in things that will fade. Here is something that will never be lost. God, bring people to Jesus tonight. Help someone even right now to just simply say, Lord, I need you. And to leave with the wealth that is immeasurable. And may we who do know the Lord Jesus live as people who know the grace of our Lord Jesus. In his name I pray, amen. You've been listening to Josh Scally, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and free access to other messages, go to ebcraleigh.com. That's E B C. 
R-A-L-E-I-G-H dot com.